May my words and my preaching not be with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that our faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Amen. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Today's scripture is one of those passages in the Bible that's so beautiful and directly relevant to our lives and kind of hits us on the head that it's almost a shame to preach on it and distract from it. I almost just want to get up here and read it and sit down. Um, It says, be kind, reject bitterness, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So it paints a compelling picture of living in harmony with one another, even as God has forgiven us in Christ. Yet at the same time, if we consider for a moment what the passage asks of us, it may strike us as a little intimidating and maybe even impossible. It directly commands us to forgive. It says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is very direct. God has done something amazing for us in forgiving of us in Christ unconditionally, and we're supposed to do the same thing. Right? Jesus says something very similar in our gospel passage this morning. He says, how many times should you forgive your brother or your sister? 77 times, which is to say, as many times as it takes. There's no limit to the forgiveness we should offer others. So that's a pretty high calling. And we all know that forgiveness isn't easy. It's not easy even in the little situations, much less bigger situations. We can't just decide to become the kind of person who can forgive 77 times. It's not that simple. So this leaves us with the question, what are these scriptures asking of us? And the thing is, they don't merely command us to forgive, but they give us a roadmap or a path by which we can become the people who can forgive. Our passage put this, uh, puts it like this in, in chapter 5, verse 2. It says, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Translated literally, that first phrase is walk in love. And now walking isn't a single action, right? Walking is a continuous thing. Say if I'm walking here, from here to uh, the art museum, right? I'm gonna be, it's, it's, a, it's a long path. Unfortunately, this bothers me in city streets. You can't go directly there. You know, you gotta go around, you gotta go around each block and you're probably gonna hit construction and have to walk around the construction. Um, and it takes time and endurance to walk um, to the art museum. If you're me, maybe if you're more in shape, we could say, you know, East Falls or something. It takes a lot of time. It takes endurance. And there's no moment on that path that that's how I got there, right? It's, it's, a, it's a long process that takes time. And I think forgiveness is like that. And that's what our passage is getting at when it places the, the encouragement to say, be kind and be tenderhearted, right before it says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is more of a process than an act. And this is true both in our lives as we seek to become forgiving people over time and walk closer with God, and also in each instance of forgiveness. Forgiveness is usually something that takes time and is a process. It's not something that we just decide to do in a moment. And it is this kind of long-term faithfulness that constitutes 
what our passage is talking about when it says to walk in love. It's calling us to a life marked by kindness and prayerfulness that leads us into becoming the kind of people who can forgive 77 times. So today I'd like to focus on two aspects of that walking with God over the long term. First is the habitual practice of kindness, and the second is the process of praying as we engage in the process of forgiveness. So kindness and prayer. First, kindness. Kindness is really the starting point of forgiveness. Ephesians, uh, the same book that we're, we're, we're reading from this morning, a little earlier in chapter two says that in sending Jesus to save us, God showed the immeasurable riches of his grace to, uh, and kindness toward us. The immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. Romans uh, 2.4 says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. So wrapped up in the heart of God's forgiveness of us is kindness, is a positive, a loving, a gentle, a patient attitude toward us. And this is why God doesn't respond, even after we've received his forgiveness in Christ, God doesn't respond to our mistakes with harshness, right, or with um, condemnation, but with love. And that's based on a a central um, orientation of love and kindness toward us. And it is this unmerited kindness that we're called to emulate when our passage says, be imitators of God. N.T. Wright puts it really shortly and I think very accurately. Kindness is one of the purest forms of imitation of God. It's, It's a simple truth, but it's a profound one in our culture at the moment. I think our culture is really struggling with treating one another with just basic kindness and love, just being gentle with one another, even if we disagree, or even if we get on each other's nerves, even if we don't understand one another, just being kind to one another. What would it look like in your life, and there's probably a million ways you could do this, if you would just walk in a little more kindness towards others and be a witness to God's love in that way? I, I heard a heartbreaking story this week. Uh, a close family member was sharing that he, he was able to have a kind of a deep conversation with um, another family member that who wasn't a Christian, who isn't a Christian and really doesn't have a lot of experience um, in the church in adulthood. And in the course of the conversation, the other family member said, wow, I, I never knew that you preach a gospel of forgiveness. I thought it was about doing X, Y, or Z. And that's just shocking, right? that someone would not know that the gospel of forgiveness. And I think that has to do with not experiencing kindness from the church. If we lead with kindness, then forgiveness follows. Then forgiveness becomes something that's understandable and something that's communicable to others. Now, how do we become kind? It still, it still leaves the question, how do we become kind? And we don't do that by a, again, a single effort. We become the people who practice kindness through a kind of compounding and continual effort throughout our lives. So the Christian life isn't about learning how to do things. It's really about practicing things and becoming better at them. This is especially true with forgiveness. And now the basic idea behind this is really kind of ordinary. It's just that practicing the good in our lives is like building any other habit. So for instance, um, if we want to get stronger, if we want to work out, right? We don't do that by reading books about working out, by trying really hard to get stronger, we we go to the gym and we lift weights. So I've heard. I've never actually tried it myself, but people tell me that that works. Um, One thing I have tried is learning to drive. So if you're learning to drive, you do have to, you know, learn the rules of the road, of course. There's a basic entry level. But you get better at driving 
by actually driving. You know, when I was learning to drive, um, I went the wrong way. I went left around a, a, a traffic circle. <laughs> and during my driving tests, it almost failed. Um, now, I don't do that anymore, right? And I don't do that not because I've like learned, I already knew at that point not to go left around a traffic circle, even when I was you know, 15 and learning. But it's because I've done it a million times now. It doesn't even cross my mind to go left around a traffic circle, right? That's because I've internalized that skill of driving. I've internalized those commands that exist for how you drive a car well and safely, and I obey them, mostly. Um, and so that's what the Christian life is like. We don't just think really hard and, and wait for God to give us this inner drive to just be kind all the time. We just step out and we try to do it daily, right? We become good at kindness and other things in our life by practicing, by trying, and by, by making mistakes, right? The fact is we're not always going to do it well. And of course, um, we don't ever usually feel like forgiving or being kind. And that's, that's normal, right? The, the, deep in our natures is the, is the desire to return evil for evil, right? To get back at people. That's something we all feel and we all experience even after we've become Christians, certainly, and we all know that. And that's, that is a challenge, but it's not something that should stop us from pursuing kindness, from pursuing forgiveness, when we don't want to, just doing it. And as, over time, as we do it more and more, we find that it becomes easier. And that's the process of God sanctifying our hearts. That's the process of God making us more and more into the image of Christ. And so when we practice kindness and forgiveness in the little things, over time we become people who can practice it in the bigger things. So it's, it's a sort of recursive or circular process. N.T. Wright, in his book, um, After You Believe, which is a, a great book I'd recommend, says that it's like a virtuous circle. We try, we, can, we continue to get a little better and a little better, and over time it's almost like a spiral where we go up. And that's the shape of the Christian life. Now, our passage gets pretty concrete with this, and maybe this, will, this helps it bring it home in our lives. Before it tells us to be kind and to forgive, in, in verse 31, it lists a few things to avoid. It says, put away from you all bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, and slander, together with all malice. And of course, this is in contrast to the next verse, which says, be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another. So bitterness, anger, slander, and the rest, these are all, yes, negative orientations and feelings, but really negative practices that we can lean into if we choose. We can become people who habitually feel bitter towards others and judge others. We can be people who habitually feed our anger and um, engage in hateful words or negative words that tend to just kind of accelerate the process of becoming a more and more angry person. We all kind of know how that works, right? And this is a sort of vicious cycle that's the opposite of the virtuous cir uh, circle that we can engage in, right? We can engage in compounding uh, efforts of, of following God or compounding efforts of turning away. Um, and, and our first verse in the passage, verse 29, uh, puts, puts the alternative like this. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. The vision of the Christian life isn't one where we receive God and we become these saints. It's one where we engage in a thousand little acts of forgiveness and kindness and faithfulness which also are accompanied by a thousand acts of failure. But as we trust God and engage in faith and in perseverance and in patience in those thousand acts 
of kindness. God honors that and makes us into the kind of people who do more of the, the, the kind acts and less of the anger and wrangling and bitterness. So daily, God is asking us to get up and recommit to that life of faithfulness, to pray for God's help in that, and to ask, how can I see more of the image of God in other people? That's what kindness is really about. It's about honoring people as people because they're, God, they're in God's image. Just like God loves all of us, not because of what we've done, but because of who, um, who we are in Christ and that he's chosen to love us and in kindness, and that's in his nature. So being kind, uh, and another thing about this, right? There's a way of doing this that's hypocritical, right? There's a way of going out and just choosing to be a nice person, but really in your heart you're feeling the bitterness and the anger. And we all, of course, have done that. I'm definitely guilty of that. So that's not what this is, we're talking about here. Um, that's a kind of imitation of the life of faithfulness. Um, and and the, the reason is that orientation, which Jesus very roundly critiques in the Gospels, is one that neglects the inner life. A life of faithfulness is one that is an act of hope, that believes God in Christ has saved me. The Holy Spirit does live within me. And even though I am sinful and I mess up, I have hope that as I live into the life of the Spirit, God will honor that and God will transform me. And some then, resisting bitterness and angry words are the kind of daily practices of long-term faithfulness that make us into the kind of people who can forgive. Now let's get kind of, there's two, I think, common pitfalls people fall into that disable this life of faithfulness. Um, and uh, the first is a sort of, and I, I've definitely done both of these many times. The first is a lackadaisical attitude about the little things, right? Well, this little act of anger, this little act of, kind, uh, of, of bitterness doesn't really matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. Well, in any way, you know, Christ died for me, so it's okay. And of course, there's truth in that, in that, yes, it is okay. Christ did die for you. You have forgiveness. Um, but the thing is, the little things do matter because they, they do stack up over the long term. And unfortunately, there is this vicious cycle where if we continue to be lackadaisical toward the little things in our lives, we end up going into a direction where we find ourselves not able to handle the big things. I found this in my life recently. It has to do with like negative language. For whatever reason, maybe it's Philly. When I, the last couple of years, I've just gotten more and more negative in my language. And I found that this builds anger in me. And I've been trying, you know, I've been reflecting on that and, and trying to kind of resist the negative language, even though it doesn't seem like a big deal, because I feel that it's making me someone who's angry and unable in, in, in important moments in my life to act in love and forgiveness. So that's a lackadaisical attitude. Another is an attitude that's kind of the opposite, that takes everything so seriously that we're, we kind of fall into despair and discouragement. We think, gosh, I can never do anything right. I always mess up. Every day I'm messing up. I can't ever forgive people. Something's wrong with me, that kind of feeling. And, and, and sometimes that manifests in a ignorance towards what I'm doing and just judgmental towards other people. Other people can never get things right. They're always wrong um, and, and kind of being ignorant of your own faults. But God is calling us to away from that as well because the message of the gospel is that we have been forgiven and that God does honor our little acts, that God loves us even though we do mess up. And that there is opportunity in the gospel to move away from that. And that, that requires patience. It requires faith. 
it requires falling down and getting back up. We're not always going to have the right mindset about this. But over the long term, God will honor that. There's no one who's outside of God's love. You think someone's, something's not wrong with you. You may have issues. We all have issues. But God can come alongside of you. And that's the hope of the gospel. Um, I came across a, uh, a really powerful example of this this week. And, and um, it's, it's from, you may have heard of this, but it's from Emmanuel AME Church. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, there was a really angry young man who committed a mass shooting at this church. He went to a Bible study, spent an hour there, and then he killed, um, uh, I think, eight people. And a really powerful thing that came out of that was after this trial and he'd been convicted and it was in sentencing, um, some family members, a number of family members, came up and said that they forgave him. Uh, one one, word, one um, statement really struck me. She said, um, I will never talk to my mom again, but God loves you and I forgive you. Now, that's a powerful image of forgiveness. But I think an important thing to see in that is that forgiveness wasn't born yesterday for those people. The people who forgave that young man had been Christians for years. And in fact, many of them had been engaged in struggles for justice and had been very familiar with hate and receiving that and had been walking in a way that they were returning love more than returning hatred back. And that's the kind of practice that made that possible in that moment. That's a beautiful image of what Christian, a life of Christian faithfulness can produce. Now, I want to be also really clear about that situation because Christian forgiveness does not mean that wrongs aren't punished or aren't made right. Um, I know, I have no doubt that many of us in this room have experienced wrongs that are really deep. I think all of us, to some extent, have experienced harms that feel like they just can't be made right. You know, the world is, is really broken. People are really broken. Evil exists. And in those situations of great harm, forgiveness is not a simple matter. So I don't want to put uh, claim that or see, like, we all need to be like the folks at Emmanuel AME Church, as amazing as that, that is. Forgiveness doesn't mean that victims of abuse just need to take it, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean that. Forgiveness doesn't mean that perpetrators could get off scot-free. That's cheap grace. That's not, that's not God's vision of justice. Without justice, the words like, I am sorry, are just empty words, right? So Christian forgiveness is something that's holistic. It involves truly setting things right. It entails justice. And when a serious wrong is done, forgiveness is a really long process, and it's one that will look different in each case. I mean, a lot, and a lot of times, there's not going to be a vision of reconciliation in the sense of a relationship being reestablished. I mean, that's just not realistic in many cases. Um, but, but God is calling us in, in, in those situations um, over the long period of time with ample prayer and support of the community to come into a place of a greater degree of forgiveness and peace in that situation. But I don't want to minimize that at all. And in fact, every situation of forgiveness is a process. So I'm going to come to our second point. There's kindness over the long term, and there's also, in every act of forgiveness, a process. I think a great example of this is when we really can't bring ourselves to want to forgive someone. Right? And this happens in little situations for me in life all the time. Like I, something, someone has just been rude to me, 
And I'm, in the moment, I'm like, oh, it's fine. But then a couple hours later, I'm coming back to it. The next day, I'm coming back to it. And I just, I can't shake it. And there's something that, a resource that God gives us in those situations is prayer. If you think about it, there is a sense in which you can't force yourself to forgive someone. You have to have an orientation towards them and a transformation in your heart toward them. But you can choose to pray for someone a lot, most of the time. We can choose to bring someone before God in prayer, and that, we will find, reorients our hearts toward them. So I'm still mad at this person, but you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray for them and ask God to bless them. And that, that does something for us. Another thing is that in those situations, forgiveness happens a lot of times. It's not a single act, right? We may think we've forgiven someone, but in fact, we have to do it again and again, day by day. And this often happens in, say, family relationships that are marked by conflict, you know, where we feel like, you know, we come to parts of our life where, oh, I've forgiven that person and I've, we're now reconciled, but then things start to get complicated again, right? And we have to come back daily sometimes, weekly, monthly, and, and re-engage in that process of forgiveness. So it's not a simple thing, right? And God knows that. It's a, something that requires patience, and it's a long, uh, it's a long road. And someone shared this with me this week. I thought that was really powerful. Is We think about Jesus' command to forgive 77 times. And what I usually think when I hear that is, so this person has done 77 wrong things against me, and each one I'm going to have to forgive. But also could be the case that there's been one thing done against me, and because I'm not a perfect person, because I'm someone who's still marked by sin, I have to forgive them 77 times. You know, it, it takes a lot of patience to come back to that person and, and to come back in my life of prayer and say, okay, I'm going to keep praying for this person. I'm going to keep um, forgiving them and making that long-term effort to become someone who's able to forgive. And we also, we, we forgive with prayer, we forgive as a process, and we also don't forgive alone. We forgive in a community. And I came across a really powerful example of this um, from a Christian ethicist. And he's a professor at a Christian university. And he had a student come to him, and she had experienced just a really horrible wrong from someone. And that person had, had been brought to justice and she felt like she was in a position and a ready to try to forgive him. But she shared with the professor, I just can't. I can't forgive him. As much as I try, I just feel that anger and I can't get over it. And instead of giving her methods to forgive or guilting her, the professor responded, can I pray for him for you? Like, I know you can't do it right now, but can I do that? And he did. He prayed for her. And six months later, she came back and said, are you still praying for him? I said, yeah. A year later, she said, I, I still can't pray for this guy. Are you still praying for him? Yeah. And two years later, she came back and said, all I can do now is say his name in prayer. I can't even go beyond that. But I thank you for still praying for him. Forgiveness is something that's done in community. It's done with the support of others. It's done with a full recognition that we're weak and, we, and, and, the, and life is hard and it's complicated and things aren't always simple. But in community, we can pick each other up and, 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 and bring each other along. And I think this is actually powerful beyond forgiveness in the life of faith. We often talk about, will you pray for me, in the sense of, will you pray for my, for my issue and say, bring from God, oh, please help them in the situation, please heal them from this illness. But there's also a sense, and sometimes we can't pray for ourselves, and we need people to pray for us in the sense of on our behalf. It's like, I can't pray about this. I'm feeling so much 
inner turmoil about this. I feel like I can't come before God in this. I feel so much guilt in this situation, whatever it may be. And we can come before God for someone in community and say, okay, we're going to pray for you because it's hard and right now you can't. So forgiveness is something that's a process. It's done with a lot of patience. It's done in a community. And in closing, I want to talk about maybe the most important aspect of forgiveness, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is intimately involved in everything, every one of these processes. When we pray for, um, when we, excuse me, when we engage in the long-term life of faithfulness, the Holy Spirit is alongside of us. When we engage in the process of forgiveness and come before God in prayer, the Holy Spirit is there with us. When we pray for one another, the Holy Spirit brings our prayers before God. And so in this sense, right, the life of faith, the long-term life of building Christian character isn't exactly like working out or driving because the Holy Spirit isn't just our um, personal trainer or our you know, driver's ed instructor. Although the Holy Spirit does give us wisdom and, and speak to us through the word, but the Holy Spirit is the very breath in our lungs, the very blood that's powering our muscles of, of forgiveness and kindness. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And all of our efforts, as our passage reminds us, are in the context of God's love for us. We are beloved children of God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And from one perspective, verse 30, which tells us we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, is a little frightening. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. So the fact is we can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we um, fall into those patterns of bitterness and anger, we do grieve God. But here's the thing. Children can grieve their parents, right? But the parents still love their children, even though they're grieved by them. So despite our mistakes, despite the fact that we grieve God on a daily basis, God still loves us. God still walks beside us. God says, follow me, learn from me. I'm patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. And I'm with you. So as we walk the long road of forgiveness, it's going to be winding. It's going to be difficult. It won't be easy all the time. But God is calling us to practice patience and hope and to believe that that path leads to true peace. It leads to a community of reconciliation. It leads to a community that can follow God together in a deeper way. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children who live in love as Christ gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God as beloved children as we embrace one another in kindness and forgiveness, we fall into our Father's arms and we experience that deep love of children that are loved by God as we extend it to others. Let's pray. God, our kind and forgiving Father, in Christ, you have received us with tender and fatherly care. Yet we often find ourselves at a loss to follow you. We nurse wounds and feel entitled to hate. We have been cut so deeply that we do not know if we can be healed. We are weak and unable to overcome our weakness. Strengthen us, Holy Spirit, and encourage us. Help us to take advantage of your means of grace and prayer and community and in scripture. Give us a daily vision of your reconciling love and give us patience on the long road of love and forgiveness. 
and hope for the future that you have in store for us. We pray this through the kindness of your Son toward us 